This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straup welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, January 8th. For lack of a better description, Friday is our trends episode. We look at the landscape of fantasy hoops, analyze some things that have or haven't happened, try to figure out what it means, and hopefully don't make any ill-advised prop bets with each other. We have all of that and more coming up on the show in just a second. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I'm joined now by Ryan Knauss. Ryan, I, I'll start by saying I hope you're happy with yourself. You really got me good with this Lou Dort scoring bet that we made last week. I feel like I should just mail you this jersey right now, Ryan. Well, when you said don't rush into any ill-advised prop bets, I was like, well, I haven't thus far. I um, <laughs> I took you up on a prop bet and may have forced uh, the issue when I, I demanded stakes be put in place for one of the most inane bets you'll ever make, which is whether or not Lou Dort will score more than 14.5 points this season, or average, I should say. It's, um, I'm feeling yeah. good. Yeah. You know... You're such a nice guy. I think that's how you got me. Like, you know, you're so you're you're kind of unassuming and I mean that as a compliment. Like, you know, you you don't really have like a, a, in any way a sinister or like sarcastic vibe, I would say. You're like a pretty earnest guy. Would you agree well, with hey, that? Thanks. Sure, I'll take the compliment. Yeah. But so it's like, yeah, when you throw out the number 14.5 points per game, I'm like, you know what? Ryan is like dealing in good faith here. He's a good dude. Like, yeah, that's that's cool. Minutes well, later, yeah. I mean, Lou Dort's scoring just has completely gone up in smoke. Like, I didn't feel good about 14.5 when we made the bet, but, like, he's already down to 13.4 as we record this. <laughs> His last four games since we made the bet, 8 points, 9 points, 12 points, 9 points. I mean, I, I still like the player. I still think he's, like, going to have a decent, probably have some fantasy value in deeper leagues, but I'm pretty much ready to mail you a jersey right now. <laughs> well, well you, so we set the level at basically, he's only scored... 
more than 15 points in one game, and that's when he shot nine of 11 from the field. <laughs> so true. Well, he had, writing, well, yeah. but he has scored more than 14.5 in three games. Well, that's true. All of which came before we made this bet. So correct. So yeah. Um, Bad job well, by let's... me. Good job by you. I'm. Yeah. What's that from Billy Madison? Is that Billy Madison? I'm dumb. You're smart. Or is that Happy Gilmore? Which one is it? You're the best. I'm the worst. You know what I I'm talking about? I can't remember. The, the, yeah, all those uh, Happy Madison production films have blurred together in my brain <laughs> at this point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kick myself because I I just as we're in live-ish podcast mode here. I can't remember which one it is, but I feel like I feel like it's that. Happy Gilmore because he's pointing with a golf club as he's doing that, but I could be Oh, wrong. it's Chubbs. You're right. He's trying to get Chubbs back to work with him, I think, right? This Is is this what this podcast is now? A deep dive into <laughs> Happy don't, Gilmore? Hey, don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'll, I'll talk Happy Gilmore well into the night if you want to. <laughs> All right. No, what this podcast is, Ryan, is... We're in a minute here going to look at some early fantasy rankings, some early stat lines, early season stat lines, and discuss whether we think these are these great trends, positive trends are for real, and whether some negative trends are something to be concerned about. But before we do that, we just have a little bit of fantasy news to hit, a couple of headlines. First one, Ryan, Kawhi Leonard played in a back-to-back. That's right. I believe for the mm-hmm. first time since 2017. That's what our Roto World blurb said. I think we'll take that at face value for now. 37 and 35 minutes in back-to-back games. He scored 21 points with four boards, four assists in the second half of that back-to-back. And just a quote from Leonard via ESPN's Om Young Misuk. Kawhi said, I mean, I think I'll be playing pretty much, speaking of future back-to-backs. Quote, the last few years I was injured and I worked on getting my legs stronger. And it's been a long time, but I was patient, and I'm able to play. Do you take Kawhi at his word here, Ryan? Not that the Clippers have a ton <laughs> of back-to-backs to really worry about, but, I mean, it's pretty big for his fantasy value if he's basically planning to play in every game. It is. It's it's rather huge for his value. And I think we can say 2017 definitively was the last time in April of that year, in fact, that he played in a back-to-back a span of more than 1,300 days. Um, now, he, he he says that it's because he was preparing for this moment for the past two years and, and so forth. And to his credit, his cautious approach paid off. It won him another championship, brought the first one to, to Toronto. So... You can't really look back and criticize what he had done, unlike his teammates who did exactly that last year and were re- reportedly some of whom are now former teammates and were a little bit little bit miffed by Kawhi and Paul George getting preferential treatment is what they called it. So to me, that's kind of more where this is coming from. I think Coach Lou took over the locker room and probably went to his stars and said, hey, guys, there's discord here. It's gone public. We need to do something to mitigate this. What can we do? And now we're seeing that play out. Why he's playing in back-to-backs isn't so, so much important to me as the fact that it clearly indicates he is healthy and he's willing to. And that's that's all I need. If he can play 65 games this year, forget it. He's going to blow away his average draft position. Yeah, and I mean, look, we're probably one tweak away from this plan completely going up in smoke. But for now, yeah. if you drafted Kawhi either expecting him to sit every back-to-back and just said, you know what, I'll live with that and I can navigate around it. Mm-hmm. Or you you somehow felt that this was coming. I, I don't know how you would have. But either way, well done, I guess, if you drafted Kawhi. Things are looking very good for you. I 
do not have him in any leagues. I deliberately stayed away for this very reason, but mm-hmm. I am uh, finding myself a little bit uh, a little bit jealous of those who did draft Kawhi on this Friday. Yeah, because he's a top five guy when he's out there. So he's good. If he, yeah, it turns out he, he's good. Yeah, that that's true. And if if he's coming out and saying, you know, n- notoriously. Uh, closely guarded kind of guy and he's out there saying my body is prepared I feel good my legs are stronger I'd be thrilled if I if I did have him on my rosters but sadly I don't and I am hoping because I do have Paul George a couple places I'm hoping that the same mindset carries through to PG and that he also he only played in one of this past back-to-back because of his ankle injury but uh, hopefully we also see him playing through these sets all right Markel Fultz, some tough news here, uh, a real bummer for Orlando and for Fultz. He's done for the year with a torn ACL. Enter into the equation one Cole Anthony, the 15th overall pick in the draft, takes over as Orlando's expected starting point guard. I, I think before we go anywhere, we have to talk about Cole Anthony's field goal percentage because mm-hmm. while he put up good numbers in his one year at UNC, 18.5 points, you know, four assists, 1.3 steals, 2.23s, he did so while shooting just 38% from the field in college. And then fast forward to his first eight games in the NBA, he has shot a Devontae Graham-esque 30.3%, including 19% on threes, Ryan. On a positive note, per 36 minutes, He's gotten 14.4 points, 8.2 rebounds, 5.7 assists. We like that. But just 0.6 steals, the shaky field goal percentage. Taking all of this into account, Ryan, I assume I know where you land on this, but are you is there anywhere you've kind of you found yourself running to try to add Cole Anthony? Uh no. <laughs> For the you know, as you know, I have a long-standing aversion to rookies, particularly rookie point guards. Although Lamelo Ball is softening me on this stance, but yeah, you look at Cole Anthony, and you mentioned it. It's just that brutal inefficiency. Now, in a points league, am I willing to chase a guy who could average fifteen seven and seven potentially if he's just handed the reins to this offense? Of course, you know that that's enticing, but I just don't see it. And we've yet to even see him playing against opposing starting lineups with better defenders draped all over him. So. There's reason for concern. I mean, he's eighth worst in the league among players averaging at least 20 minutes in true shooting at 40.3%. Um, he's not hitting from any depth. So we've yet to see it in college. We've certainly yet to see it uh, in the pros. And although playing time shouldn't be an issue, I mean, who are their alternatives? Michael Carter-Williams, no. DJ Augustine's it, gone. Yeah, Augustine's in Milwaukee. So it's going to be rookie Cole Anthony and the veteran starters. And it's a decent position. And fantasy is so brutal because when I heard this news, Markel Fultz done for the season, it's like your heart breaks for the guy. His shoulder was fully healed, coming off a healthy season, really kind of growing into the promise that he showed as that top draft pick. And then this happens. And of course, within five seconds, my mind goes to, well, who should I pick up and where do uh, I? <laughs> unfortunately, do that's I what we do. Unfortunately, such, a, we such do. a cynical profession. But um, yeah, so no, I'm not really into it. In deep leagues, maybe you give uh, MCW a look, Michael Carter-Williams, or even Jordan Bone, maybe. But uh, I'm not really eager in 12-team leagues to be adding Cole Anthony. Did you pick him up anywhere or no? No, I didn't. It was just a hard stop for me because these days I deliberately try to avoid those field goal percentages and and, and yeah. bad free throw percentages. I mean, Devonte Graham got dropped in one of my shallower leagues the other day and I just I was like, nope, I'm not going to not gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to take the bait on that one. I'm just not going to do it. So yeah, that's uh the news out of Orlando. 
But let's get into the big plan for today's episode. We're going to be looking at, as I said, some early season performances and fantasy rankings, all via basketballmonster.com, by the way, if you want to follow along with us. And these are all as of Thursday. So that's when we're taping this. And we're going to evaluate whether we are buying this trend or not, whether this is a cause for concern, a cause for celebration. What do we make of this? And Ryan, we'll start with one CJ McCollum. As of this taping, number five overall in nine category leagues. Yes, I said five. That Mm. is prior to Thursday night. 27.7 points, 5.4 dimes, 1.9 steals, 4.9 threes. McCollum is very consciously shooting more threes this year. I believe he's posted on Twitter about intentionally doing that. So all things considered, I mean, you don't have to be buying into this at the highest level. It doesn't have to be CJ McCollum averaging 28 points per game, but... Are you buying in that this leap on some level is for real? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, eighth NBA season, usually at this point I would have written off a player getting substantially better, and right. I don't think that's really what's happening here. I think it's just he his role is a little bit different. As you mentioned, that conscious attempt to shoot a ton, he's taking 11 attempts per game from deep, and he's making them at 43%. Now that number I expect to go down a little bit, but he's at career highs in points, threes, assists, which is critical. He's up to five and a half dimes per game, and uh, his steals are at 1.9. Now, his previous career high in steals was 1.2. So I don't think he's dramatically better in that aspect of the mm-hmm. game. I haven't seen anything like he's attacking passing lanes more, nothing like that. So I think that will trend down. The three-point percentage that I mentioned, 43%, will probably trend down. But I dug a little bit deeper, and his time on the ball, his time of possession per game, two years ago was 3.4 minutes on 53 touches per game. This year, he's up to 5.8 minutes per game possession. So it's a 42% higher than it was in 2018-19. And if I remember correctly, he was like a top 50 guy that season. So... Yeah, to answer your question, although I think a couple of those stats will come down, I think a top 20 finish is potentially within reach here. Let's look at another guard who has made a surprise surge into the top 10. That would be Malcolm Brogdon of the Pacers, who sits number seven overall, 23.6 points, (laughs) 7.0 dimes, 3.13s, 2.0 steals. I want to hear your thoughts first, Ryan. I I land very strongly on one side of this, but I don't want to give away where I land, and I want to hear what you have to say first. Okay. I actually believe in Brogdon. I rostered him almost everywhere last season, and unfortunately don't have as many shares of him this season, but I love him. I love the situation, you know, the way that the Pacers are playing under Nate Bjorker and a little bit faster than last year. The only thing that prevented Brogdon from early round value last season when he, you know, had already increased his scoring, his, you know, across the board stats, and then in the playoffs averaged almost 22 points and 10 assists in those four straight losses to Miami. But he he shot poorly. He shot almost 43% from the field compared to over 50% in his final year with Milwaukee. Well, now he's making those shots he missed last year, and that's been the difference. Um, Will he finish top 10? No. But I love him, and I think top 40 is very, very reasonable. That's interesting, and I I don't take what you say about this lightly, but here's my concern with Brogdon. We saw last year, not to this level, but we saw Brogdon get off to a really great start last year. The first quarter of the season, I'm looking at his first 22 games played, he averaged 19.5 points, 7.7 dimes, 1.0 steals, 1.5 threes. He was very much an early round guy. And then his 
season kind of went off the rails. You know, a lot of injuries. He was off the court a lot. When he was healthy, he was down to 14.5 points, 6.6 assists, 0.4 steals. I think he ended the year something like 0.6 steals per game, which mm. really scared me away from him this year. And, and by the way, those numbers I just cited, the 14.5 points, that was over his final 32 games. So I guess what I worry about, Ryan, is you know a guy who had a ton of nagging injuries last year. I worry about him not staying healthy. I guess I worry about him slowing down and this being just the absolute peak by a lot for Brogdon. But maybe I'm too much of a skeptic. Hmm. It's possible. I I certainly think the steals are going to come down a lot. He was 0.6 last year. He's not getting two per game this year. He's never had more than 1.1 in the league. So I don't know. I just feel like he's at the absolute apex. If you could trade him for a top 20 guy, top 25 guy, I would do it in a second. That's my problem with, with players like Brogdon who get off to a hot start like this. Even, you know, Jeremy Grant has been fantastic thus far this year, but they don't have that name brand recognition. Like I can't imagine someone flipping Malcolm Brogdon for Pascal Siakam, even though he's been off to a slow start. Mm-hmm. So it's that that conundrum of well, do I, you know, trade him for a top fifty guy? I wouldn't personally, but I, I get your point. And staying healthy obviously will, will be key. I one thing I do love about him is that he's doing this alongside Victor Oladipo already. I think mm-hmm. that's part of what kind of threw a wrench into his game last season was figuring out that pairing, uh, which was a little bit awkward initially. Yeah, that's true. And Oladipo almost made this conversation. He's a, been a top fifty guy this year, but I decided to speed past that because. Oladipo's a good player. We knew he was a good player. He's healthy for now, and he's playing pretty well. So probably don't need to overthink that one. And Jeremy Grant, too, who you mentioned there, he's 26th overall. We talked about him last week. I think we both like him. So I wanted to move to our next name on the list, Ryan. A decently big surprise for me is Seth Curry. He's 32nd overall as of this recording. The points are there, 17 per game. The threes are there, 3.1 per game. The assists are good, 3.6. The one caveat in his stat line that really stands out to me, Ryan, is he's shooting (laughs) 60.3% from the field. We know that Curry is a fantastic shooter, one of the best in the league, but he appears to be unsustainably hot to start his Sixers career. I would agree with that assessment. In fact, he leads the NBA in true shooting at almost 80%. Uh, second best is Thomas Bryant at 72% for wow. perspective. For perspective, And the only other guard in the top 20, I'll just tell you, because I don't think you would have guessed, Patty Mills. Oh, come on. I was about to say Pat. Uh, I was uh, Patty. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I jumped, I jumped on you there. Um, but yeah, I, I think the key for Curry has been that those shots are wide open. We already know what a fantastic shooter he is. This isn't a out-of-the-blue sort of situation. He was phenomenal last year as well. But 73.1% of his shots have been either open or wide open this season. And even more startling to me is that of his 42 three-point attempts as of this recording, only one has had a defender within four feet. Wow. That's insane. And I I do think that Philly's offense can realistically generate those shots for not just Curry, but also Danny Green because of the Embiid-Simmons effect just sucking defenses into the paint. So Curry... Can I mean, at, at minimum, we can probably agree that he'll smash his average draft position of 120. I do agree. And it's another case where it's not like you're going to be able to trade Seth Curry for some some dramatic return in fantasy league. So if you drafted him, right. well done. He's probably not going to stay quite this hot, but I, the fantasy value is for real. 
Find yourself up against the clock to get your waiver claims in, or perhaps you can't decide who to start as tip-off approaches. Save time and make the best decisions with our all-new NBA League Sync tool. League Sync pulls in all of your team and league info from Yahoo to show you who the best available players are on the wire, who you should start, who you should bench, and a lot more. Let League Sync do all the work, and you can go ahead and take all the glory. Get League Sync, our DFS tools, and our draft and season tools as part of the Edge Plus Pro Tier. Go to rotoworld.com slash edge for more and use promo code NBAPOD10 for $10 off any annual premium package. All right, Ryan, here's one that probably has some fantasy managers having some very restless nights. Devin Booker was a very popular early fantasy draft pick coming off his run in the bubble. As you pointed out to me, Ryan, he wasn't initially on my list, but you gave me a very good reminder. Booker, as we record this, is, say it with me, 138th in nine category leagues. Yikes. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure if I was actually supposed to say that with you. Yeah, I, you, what, I say say it with me. <laughs> say it with me. Sorry, I dropped the ball there. Um, yeah, scary. I mean, he does jump multiple rounds, obviously. If you punt turnovers, he's but he's still 65th without turnovers, according to B-Ball Monster. So that's a huge disappointment. I mean, you drafted him at the turn of the first round, typically. I didn't. You didn't? I did? didn't draft him. No, go ahead. Okay. Well, good for you, I guess. Just a little little brag there. Um, yeah, he's off to a rough start, man. Stumbling along, he's got 37 turnovers. The good news to me, his usage is similar to last year. His free throw percentage of 77% is going to come up. I think there's a bit of a learning curve with Chris Paul trying to develop the chemistry that he had with Ricky Rubio. Not quite there yet, but should get there. Not worried about that. CP3 is not a guy who demands high usage, etc. And Booker's, you know, time of possession, four minutes this year. Last year was 4.2. Very, very similar touches, all that stuff. So I don't see a huge change in his role, anything that should prevent him from getting back to that top 20 level. So I'm just sitting tight. Uh, maybe float a few buy low offers, and especially if this early slump and extreme turnover run continues. Yeah, I was, I did a lot of regrettable things in my fantasy drafts, or at least a handful. You know, I, <laughs> I, I missed big time on guys like Jeremy Grant. Uh, I really regret that. I got some sort of Ricky Rubio virus into my mainframe and drafted him in multiple leagues, and that's just. As I've said, pretty much every episode of a podcast this season, I'm pretty devastated by that. But yeah. one thing I did do, I was consciously avoiding Devin Booker in all my leagues. And the reason is, last year, you know, as good as he was, and I, I mean, obviously I think the guy's a great player, but in terms of fantasy, this is a guy who averaged 0.7 steals per game. I don't want any of my early round players, unless mm. it's a big guy who's blocking like two yeah. shots per game, to be getting less than one steal per game 0.7 steals 0.3 blocks high turnovers so what are you getting you know you're getting points percentages good assists okay threes two per game isn't really even anything to be that excited about anymore for a shooter so and he, he had two years in a row i know he's a young guy he should still be ascending but he had two years in a row where he averaged exactly 26.6 points per game his assists actually went down from 2018-19 to 2019-20 slightly. His steals went down slightly. Points stayed exactly the same. I mean, I don't want to say Devin Booker has plateaued, but it's very possible we've seen his peak, right? I mean, that's a 
a dangerous thing to say about a, a guy who just turned 24. So I could be dead wrong about that a couple years from now. But I was off him in fantasy drafts, and I do think if, if you're valuing him as like a top 25-ish guy, absolutely, I think it makes sense. I can see what you're saying, Ryan. He can get back there. But if you're thinking this guy is going to be top 12, I think you were fooling yourself in the first place. Ooh, all right. And listen, after everything you just said, I feel foolish because I I did draft him top 15 in, I think, two of my nine leagues. And I was going on, on the fact that he had increased his points every single season in the league until he plateaued, I guess, as you say, last year at 26.6. But even in that year, he had increased his field goal percentage to a career high 48.9, and he had increased his free throw percentage to a career high 91.9 on high volume. So I loved that. Okay, boosts in my percentages. Maybe he'll continue to increase his other stats. We haven't seen it. I'm not giving up hope after less than 10 games. I will say this. I, I still think, with all of that said, with everything I just said, all of my concerns, is there a chance that Booker just gets outrageously hot and averages like 29, 30 points the rest of the way? Absolutely. I just, I'm telling, you know, I'm saying the reasons why I was not drafting him super early in fantasy leagues. And I'm, I drafted John Collins early in a bunch of leagues and he's not delivering top 15, top 20 value yet either. So I'm an idiot, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've, you've convinced me. I like to convince you and then totally walk it back and be like, no, I'm dumb. Don't listen to me. Oh, no, I'm, I, I meant you've convinced me that you're an idiot. Oh, no, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Then, then I've succeeded here today. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, Ryan, back to rookie talk here as we go down the stretch of this list. We already talked about a rookie point guard we are staying away from, but I want to get your reaction to the performance so far of Kings rookie Tyrese Halliburton. He sits 44th overall in nine category leagues behind a quiet, but I would say borderline scintillating stat line of (laughs) 11.7 points, 4.7 assists, 1.3 steals, 2.2 threes, just 0.7 turnovers. Ryan, I got to believe this is a rookie that you're interested in. Yes, quiet but borderline scintillating (laughs) is the subtitle of the Matt Straub story. Um, (laughs) Halliburton, yes, he's been incredible. I I love it. The Kings are a mess, but if you want cause for optimism as as a Kings fan, I guess just look to this guy. Uh, been super impressive and you mentioned those stats the the thing that really jumps out at me is his 4.7 assists and 0.7 turnovers per game and 
when he missed a short amount of time early this season, Coach Luke Walton kind of called out his team and was like, we can't just wait for Tyrese to come back and be a, and be a playmaker. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, if you needed a red flag for a team, six games into the season, their rookie goes, their rookie second unit guard goes down and they're suddenly struggling. So that's not good. But he's filling it up. His extreme efficiency is glorious if you're in an eight-cat, nine-cat league. And... The Kings are bad, so if they fall out of the playoff picture, his minutes go up. Jaron Fox, if his ham- recent hamstring injury costs him extended time, his fantasy value goes up. So there's a lot, you know, a lot of tailwinds for this guy. Yeah, I really like him, and I, I really like that he's basically as advertised coming out of college. I mean, he kind of seemed mm-hmm. like a very high level the lottery pick glue guy, right? He's not a guy who's gonna average twenty points in a game in the league, but he's just one of these guys are just like going to have that great, solid, low-end stat line. It almost reminds me of like, I'm about to go real retro here, the, the heyday of Brent Barry in fantasy, you know, just <laughs> a good all-around stat line, didn't score a ton of points, but just like not really any weaknesses in that stat line. Are you feeling me on this Brent Barry thing? Well, I, any reference to Brent Barry is, I'm, I'm sold, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. But but you're right. He came in as that kind of NBA-ready tag. Uh, maybe the, the upside wasn't quite there, which is why he fell a little bit in the draft. But the Kings were, were wise to, to grab him. For those who aren't with me, Brent Barry, I'll just, I'll just pull a random year out here, 2001-02 with Seattle. 14.4 points, 5.4 boards, 5.3 assists, 1.8 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.03s. I could see, I could see some of that in Tyrese Halliburton's future. Plus, former dunk contest winner. I mean, this this guy could really do it all. (laughs) All right. Speaking of doing it all, Julius Randle was around 140th overall in nine category leagues last year due to low defensive stats, high turnovers, shaky free throw shooting. Fast forward to this year, he has improved his volume. The turnovers have gotten worse. He's averaging nearly five per game, but he has improved his free throw shooting. He's up to almost 78%. Add all this up, Ryan, and you have a huge jump in the rankings for Randall. He's 53rd overall. This is much higher than I expected him to be. The question is, can he maintain this absurd pace in the big (laughs) three counting stats? 23 points, 12 boards, nearly seven and a half assists so far. And he needs that because he's still not getting defensive stats. Right. Nor will he ever, probably. But he's towards the top of the league in turnovers. I see that, you know, honestly, I see all of his stats being sustainable as long as he can stay healthy and somehow continue playing this massive amount of minutes that he's playing. He is indeed the league leader in minutes per game at 38.6, just ahead of his teammate, teammate RJ Barrett, exactly, is number two in the league. And we saw even Mitch Robinson, notoriously low-minute Mitch Robinson, played, I think, 38 or something the other night. So we're seeing the Tibbs effect. He ran basically a six-man rotation the other day with with Austin Rivers getting 36 off the bench. And for fantasy purposes, you know, again, as long as you could live with the typical Randall caveats of low defensive stats and sky-high turnovers and bad free-throw percentage. Uh, So only half of the category stats. Don't worry about it. Um, But... In the triple-double counting stats for points leagues, he's fantastic, and we're seeing him kind of unleashed. Uh, This is the unchecked version of Julius Randle. Well, and I think if I had known that the free throw percentage was going to come up, I would have drafted him in a lot more leagues because he's a lot more palatable in a fantasy league where it's like, okay, well, he's going to hurt you in turnovers, but... 
he's not going to crush you in free throw percentage at the same time. You know, and I can I can live with a low steals and blocks guy in this case. But mm-hmm. so yeah, that was a miss for me. Randall was a miss for me because I thought he was going to be an anchor in both free throws and turnovers, but that hasn't been the case. Yeah, it was a miss for me too. I don't have him anywhere. So, all right, Luka Doncic is going the wrong direction, Ryan. He's sixty second overall in nine category leagues. You look at the stat line, you know, scoring's down a little bit, assists are down 1.6 per game, steals are down from 1.0 to 0.5, threes are down by 1.5 per game, he's still shooting badly on threes, better since we last talked, but he's still under 20% for the season. Bottom line, Ryan, at what point do you start worrying? I wouldn't start worrying. Um, as long as he's healthy, put it this way, both Doncic and coach Rick Carlisle have admitted that he came into the season out of shape. Carlisle said that Luca came in as one of the players who apparently thought the season started in January or February. So a slow start for a guy who's averaging the numbers you just cited, it could be worse, frankly. And the real drag on his percentages have been from deep. He shot 9.5% in December, uh, up to 30% in January. So slow, you know, baby steps, I guess. Crazy turnovers, obviously, in a couple recent games, five turnovers and eight turnovers to start the month of January. The lack of defensive stats is concerning, but didn't we know this on draft day? We did. Yeah, he's never been a defensive guy steals one per game last season i think he can get back to that but as long as he's hitting triple double stats and i do think that the three-point percentage will come up field goal percentage he needs to make it a little bit easier for himself too sometimes he's taking some ridiculously high difficulty shots instead of just you know if a defender dives under a pick just take the easy shot but i'm not worried about him he's you know hugely talented and we'll we'll get right back there i wouldn't recommend trying to pry him away from Dr. A after his slow start either. <laughs> well, and I I should clarify, when I said he's going the wrong direction, I, that's not really true because he actually has had a couple games in a row. He sat a game, but if you look at the game before he sat, 27 points, 15 boards, 7 assists. That was his best game of the season up to that point. And then his last game, as we're recording this, 33 points, 16 rebounds, 11 assists. So, I mean, the slump very possibly is already over potentially right. you know yeah the Mavs play Thursday night after we record this possible by the time you're listening to this Luca just had an absolutely ridiculous stat line so <laughs> all of that said <laughs> I'm with you I'm not worried and I want to ask you about uh, a guy whose name has been connected to Luka Doncic a lot because of they were traded for each other their draft picks were traded for each other Trey Young is just behind Luka in the fantasy ranking 69th overall the points and assists points and assists are down from last year. Just 0.5 steals per game, 4.8 turnovers, a ton of ridiculous turnovers. He's really been struggling recently in that department for the Hawks, as the Hawks have all kind of struggled recently. Uh, mm. Trey's coming off a really bad game on Wednesday night, one of the worst games I've seen him play. But it clearly feels and looks like a slump. I think for me, in the same breath that we're just talking about, don't worry about Luca. He's going to write the ship. He's too talented not to. I feel the same way about Trey Young. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I mean, he had zero steals in December in somewhere well over 100 minutes, but he's had one steal at least in every game so far this month. Uh, his shot is just off. I mean, you watch more Hawks than I do. I, I haven't noticed anything 
particular, even even in the way that he's being defended or anything that would really cause him to be this off. You know, his three-point percentage has really dipped. He's had some just brutal nights that are dragging down his overall percentage. But I, I think he's going to come come right around. He And he's still adapting to playing with Clint Capella. And there's a couple new pieces that they need to integrate. So, you know, early season learning curves, short training camp and preseason. So I'm not too, I'm not fretting. He came out this season and was getting to the free throw line at an extraordinary clip. 14 mm-hmm. his first game, 17 his second game, 15 his third game, 16 his fourth game. You had Steve Nash speaking about, you know, Trey with his stop and jump in the air foul with a defender behind him. You know, that was a big point of discussion. You know, Trey basically just manufacturing free throws at a very high rate. And it feels a little bit like defenses have adjusted. And now he he's kind of will get into the pain and kind of get caught in no man's land looking for a call. But the, either the defender is not where he expects the defender to be or the call doesn't come. So it's kind of like he's dealing with multiple things at once. He's not shooting great. He's not getting to the line as much as he has. His last four games, four attempts, four attempts, one game of 15 attempts in there, but then three attempts. So free throw attempts mm-hmm. are way down. He's not shooting it well. It's just kind of a weird slump. Feels like he needs to make some adjustments, and I expect him to come out of it. But now is sort of your ultimate moment here, right, to try to get Trey in a fantasy league. Uh, the Hawks don't play again until Saturday, so you got a little window to possibly put together a little trade offer. I, yeah, and I would. Uh, he's proven durable so far in the league. And as you said, the between the shooting slump and his extreme turnovers, both of which probably if someone drafted him, then those managers expect top 10 value and they're not going to give him up cheap just because sure. of a five game slump. So sure. you've got to, you got to put that asterisk on it, but for sure, it doesn't hurt to, to throw out some offers. You never know. Sometimes, you know, don't try to be obnoxious about it, but you know, send out some bad offers and see if they counter. Maybe you find a middle ground. Well, and I mean, the other thing is sometimes when we talk about this, like, oh, you've got a window to trade for him. That doesn't mean, like you said, Ryan, that someone's just going to give him to you. You may still have to give up a lot. But of course, keep in mind, yeah. if Trey Young was averaging 33 points and 11 assists right now, that manager is not going to trade him to you at all. So it's yes. really like this opens the window for some trade discussions. You're going to have to give up one of your earliest round players to get him still. No one in your league is like... Oh, this guy stinks, probably, right? So Yeah, I'll, I'll trade my Malcolm Brogdon for yeah, your Trey Young. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. It's more just like that can be the spark for a trade conversation. And half the time when I'm talking about this, that's what I'm talking about. That's a great way to frame it. I like that. Thank you, Ryan. I, I'm back to not being an idiot. That's his huge. <laughs> Hopefully I can finish it we'll out. We'll see. There's still, there's still some time left in the podcast. <laughs> not a lot. Hey, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for listening. Oh, no, we have one more name. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander sits at 81st overall. And the main culprit, in my mind, Ryan, are these three sub-zero stats, what we call the sub-zero stats. 42.7 from the field, 76.5 from the line, 3.0 turnovers. Now, well, no, no, I'll stop there. What are your thoughts? Concerning, for sure. Okay. Yeah, not not like panic mode, sell, 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 but his rebounds are down, too, from last year. he was at almost six per game last year, down to 4.7. And importantly, not only is he missing more free throws this year, but he's not getting to the line quite as often, down at 4.9 per game. I would have thought that would go up. That was one of the big reasons why I figured he'd make a, a huge jump in fantasy this year. But this is a guy adjusting to being the alpha and omega for his franchise, basically, at this point. There are 
inevitable growing pains there. You know, Chris Paul leaves a huge hole in this lineup, and he's taking on all sorts of leadership roles in addition to on-court responsibilities and playmaking. So there's a lot being thrown his way, and he's getting the other team's best defender on him night after night after night just highlighted in scouting reports and so forth. So I'm not shocked that there's a little bit of a growing pains here. I still think he'll be better, but if, I mean, what was his average draft position? 30 in Yahoo. So you didn't get him cheap. Like to me, that's why I didn't get to draft him. It's not that I didn't want him. He was just flying off the board, especially in leagues with Roto World colleagues. He'd be gone mid second round. And I wasn't willing to take that bet on him just growing into a top 20 role I wanted to have seen it a little bit more and so yeah I think where he is now there's a somewhere between here and and top 20 is where he will end up falling so I'd give him and you know I'd put him below CJ McCollum frankly maybe I'm crazy maybe I'm wrong but I think at the end of the year McCollum's ahead of him in Nikat that wouldn't shock me I will say the the case for optimism on SGA is First of all, his assists have gone up. You know, you mentioned the boards are down, free throw percentages down, field goal percentages down. That's not ideal, but we've seen his assists more than double so far from 3.3 his first two years to 6.7 so far this year. So you've got that, right? The scoring hasn't taken off yet, but he's still at 19 per game, same as last year. And the good news with the turnovers is he he has righted the ship there lately the first three games he averaged nearly five per game he's at less than two per game 1.8 over his last four games so look these are small trends so we don't really know yet but potentially he is righting that ship and i still think the guy is his volume isn't up so much shooting he's only 15.7 attempts versus 14.5 last year he was a 47% or better shooter both of his years in the league before this. I don't think he's going to be as low as 43. So he's not going to shoot under 30% from threes most likely the whole year. So I think ultimately he should get a little better shooting and everything should get a little better overall. And that I think falls into line with what you're saying uh, about where he ultimately ends up. Yeah. And if, I mean, to your previous point about this, at least just opening a window to trade for him before everything really falls into into place. Because don't get me wrong, I still think he has massive potential. You know, the Thunder need him to perform. They're putting in him in position to do basically whatever he wants. And he could be phenomenal. So maybe his managers just get a little bit frustrated. If this continues for 10 games, 15 games, and he's he's good, but not great. I'm not against floating some, some trade offers for him because he does have that potential to just suddenly something clicks. And in his third NBA season, he takes off. No, I agree with you. And I actually just earlier today was uh, texting a friend in one of my leagues inquiring about SGA and he said I'm frustrated you know it was not a no I'm not going to trade him you know we didn't get a deal done yet but he's frustrated so I think that is probably a good barometer for a lot of people who drafted him end of podcast (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh let's get out of here don't forget to what do we do we subscribe to a show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. If you would take a moment to rate and review us, we would appreciate that. We are here every Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday is our waiver wire pickups episode. Friday is uh, what you just heard just now. Things of this nature with Ryan 
uh, normally here with me on Fridays. So uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks to all of you listening. Ryan, thank you for taking the time. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.